Vision Sunday. We've been leading up to today, and uh, I tell you what, I, I feel very privileged to be able to preach this today and tonight. I feel very privileged and honored that, that I have vision and that I have vision from God and that this church body has vision corporately. And I've been talking to you the last few weeks about how, how to understand personal vision and corporate vision. When I mean corporate vision, I'm talking about what God is building. Jesus said, <clears throat> I will, God said through Jesus, I will build my church that the gates of hell shall not prevail against. Old Testament, it was the house of God. The Bible says in the Old Testament, God said, my, my eyes are on my house and my heart is in it. In 1 Timothy 3.15, it says that the house of God is the church. The house of God is the church in this dispensation of time. This dispensation of time, what we're talking about is the church age since Jesus died and He rose again. And if you believe that and you accept Jesus, you're born again and you're part of that church. House of God is the church of God. Ephesians 1 says that the church is His body. Okay? So, in the last few weeks, we've been talking about the importance of understanding corporate vision, church vision, the, the house of God vision, the body of Jesus Christ vision, versus a personal vision. If you're born again, your human spirit is one, became one with the Holy Spirit. If you're born again, that's what happened. If you're born a second time, you, you, you accepted Jesus, and what happened is the same Spirit that raised Him from the dead is the same Spirit that became one with your human spirit. See, so the Holy Spirit, which is corporate, your human spirit, which is personal, have come together. And God wants to mesh together corporate and personal visions so that on this planet, you find yourself fulfilling the purpose and the plan that God had for you before you were. We've shared this many times. Just those that haven't been here, just saying this for in review. Um, you know, God's ultimate plan from the beginning was established for you before the foundation of the world. Before the foundation of the world, God had a plan for your life. That's staggering. The natural mind, that makes no sense. We could have a debate here we can invite the whole city to come and debate how that could happen. I'm just telling you right now, I have no evidence other than the Bible says so. The Bible told me so. That's all the evidence I have. And what I've chosen to believe is the same Bible that told me that the only way to the Father was through Jesus Christ, okay, in this same book, I've believed that, that He had a plan for my life before I was even thought about. Okay, so to connect with that is what's vital. And, and I've got something I'm telling you today. This is fresh off the press, and I've never preached this message before, ever. I've never preached what I'm going to share with you today and tonight. And I'm going I'm to go two and a half hours this morning, and then 
then we'll just take a, we'll just stop right at two and a half hours. No, uh, I, I'm going to preach what I have this morning, and we're going to pick it up tonight, and then we're going to pray over what Dahlia talked to you about a little while ago, and that I mentioned last week. So, um, so, so the goal today is, and tonight is to understand how to write out a personal vision. Because the church is made up of all the individuals. So if the church has has a vision and it's going forward, whether the people get it or not, then it's defeated the whole purpose. See? But if the church is full of people with no personal developed vision on the inside, no expectation in life whatsoever, the church won't go forward. It won't move forward. When I'm talking about the church, I'm talking about at the moment, you know, this congregation of people, but I'm talking about the church that Jesus is building. Gates of the city is just privileged to be a part of what he's building. It's not we're building this unto ourselves, unto me, or anything else. We're building this as unto him. We've been doing that in this, not this same place, but in this city as the same church and congregation. My wife and I pastoring this church for 27 years. For 27 years, we've been in the same place doing the same thing. If you were here in the first two months of 1989 that we pastored this church, we started this church, if you were here in the first two months and you hadn't been here till today and you were listening to what I'm teaching today, you'd say, you know, he's still doing the same thing. Right. Because we're doing what we're called to do. Amen? And we never quit. Come hell or high water, difficulties or anything else, we never quit. So to understand how to fulfill, number one, to understand what personal vision looks like and then how to fulfill it is what we're going to talk about, get into this morning and then in a little bit more tonight. Amen? So I want to start with Jeremiah 29. And verse 11, and we're going to look at that in the Amplified. We read that last week. But this is where it all begins. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the thoughts and the plans that I have. Oh, wait, wait, wait. That's not what I wanted. I'm sorry. I wanted uh, uh, Proverbs 29, 18. Give me that one. <clears throat> I knew it was a 29. <clears throat> And that's a great one, and we'll read that in a little while, but I want this one first. Uh, you can go, let's see, is that the one I wanted in the, yes, that's the one I wanted in 18. So where there, where there is no vision, where there's no vision, and we talked and defined what vision was last week, but where there is no vision, and, and then here in this verse of Scripture, Solomon is defining what vision from God is. It's redemptive revelation of God. Remember, I just quoted what Jesus said in Matthew, uh, Matthew 16. He said, he, he asked his disciples, who do men say that I, that I am? And they said, well, some say you're this guy, and some say you're that guy, and some say you're this person or whatever, but who do you say I am? And Peter jumps up and he says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, 
Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. And he said, on this rock I will build my church that the gates of hell will not prevail against. And that rock is redemptive revelation. Okay? So where there's no first and foremost, when there's not redemptive revelation, okay, In our dispensation of time, the church age, since Jesus Christ, redemptive revelation is what Jesus produced for us. Mankind was one with God in the garden. Mankind sinned and gave in and did what God told him not to do in eating the fruit of the tree in the Garden of Eden in the beginning, Adam and Eve. And from that point until the crucifixion, the death, the burial, the resurrection, and the ascension of Jesus Christ. Until that time, man was separated from God. What Jesus did is redeemed man back to God. And what redemptive revelation is, is the explanation of what that is and what it looks like in your life. See, if you don't understand that, if you have no understanding of what that is, then you're, you're, you're in life actually trying to watch a 3D movie without the glasses. And I know. I shared the little testimony. Did I share that testimony last Sunday about when I got born again? Guess not. Was it last Sunday? Sometime. It was a long time ago. <clears throat> anyway. But, but, but the... the I got saved, I wasn't raised in any kind of church or nothing, and, and I got saved because I was sat there listening to a guy that was about, I was, I was almost 18 years old, and he was at least 60, he had a crew cut, and I'm thinking, what can this guy tell me? And this man talked for two days, and I felt like that he had been ch- talking like Chinese, and it was having to be interpreted to me what all this stuff was meaning. And I remember thinking to myself as I was listening to him, man, people have lied to me. What's the deal? They have lied to me. This man's telling me about God, and nobody ever told me this. Or the people that told me anything about God, it definitely wasn't what this guy was talking about. And as a result of that, I got born again that weekend, and my whole life changed. And what happened was I began to understand what redemptive revelation was. He said, where there is no redemptive revelation, revelation, the people perish. But he who keeps the law, or the word of God, which includes that of man, blessed, happy, and fortunate, and enviable, is he. I want you to remember several words there as, as as we get through a couple things this morning. Where there is no redemptive revelation of God. That's the vision that's first and foremost and more important than anything else. Because what, what you don't want to do and what I don't want to do, what we don't want to live on planet earth doing is trying to figure out what we're here for. What are we here to do? Okay? And if God is real, well first and foremost, somewhere along the line, you're going to have to make up your mind you're going to believe this book. Okay? No matter what other people say, You're going to have to make up your mind to believe this book. And if you don't make up your mind that you're going to believe this book, then it won't work for you. 
You know, and I, that's not ugly or being cruel or anything else. That's not taken away from what anybody else believes. I don't care. Listen to me. I don't care what anybody else believes. I'm not against people that believe other things and other religions and all those kind of things. You can believe whatever you want to. But if you're going to come in my presence and you're going to ask me questions about what I believe, I am not going to bow down and compromise what I know is true here. But I will never shove this down anybody's throat. You understand? Ever. You can believe whatever you want. And I know some really great people that don't believe this Bible, and we're friends. Because you, you, don't, you don't have to be, we don't have to believe. We can't spend a lot of time together, you know, a lot, a lot of time, because we eventually, you know, want to punch each other out. But anyway, but... But I love, the, I love the guy and, and, and a number of different guys that are, that are friends of mine, and I love them, and they don't believe this, and that's okay. You understand? It's okay. But listen, it ain't over. And when you realize what you're here for, when you grab a hold of why you're here, you can endure anything. You can make it through anything. You can deal with anything that comes your way. It doesn't matter what it looks like. You can endure anything when you know who you are. You know what? I get to be Burt Wimberley. I get to live my life. And you know what? There's all kinds of other lives that I could compare my life to if I was in the comparison business. And if I was comparing my life to what they do and what it appears like their life is like, I could talk myself out of my life. But when you know what you're called to do, what you know you're on this planet for because of what is developing and evolving in your life, it's amazing the peace and the joy and the fulfillment that you can live in when you're living what God called you to do. I didn't say it's easy, and I didn't say that it's not a fight, but I say it's fulfilling. Because at the end of the day, you can lay your head down and be at peace because you know you're doing what God's saying, at least today. Now, <clears throat> a couple things I want to look at. I want to go back to our foundation scriptures been in Habakkuk 2. And, and I, I want to look at verse 2 and 3 here. And we're in the King James, I mean in the New King James here. Verse 2. Then the Lord answered me and he said, write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. Verse 3, for the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak. At the end it will speak. Say that with me. Ready? Read. At the end it will speak. Say it again. At the end it will speak. And it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. Wow. And I, I've said this before, and I, I've had people you know, say to me, you know, it's like God's contradicting what he's saying. No, no, because he's talking about a number of different things, and that's what I want to look at today. And I want to talk to you, we've talked about the, the life of Moses, and we've looked at, at him and, and, and as we've been talking vision. But I want to break his life down for a minute, and, and I want to talk about a number of things. So, here's a guy, well, let me say this beforehand. Moses was not born again, right? So, Moses, like everybody from, 
from Adam and Eve until Jesus, everybody was born once and that was it, okay? Then when they, when they died and they passed away, the Bible says that they went to a holding tank. And, and, and in that place, they waited, they waited for all that time until Jesus came and did what he did to bring mankind back to God. And then he led those who were in captivity out of captivity into captivity into God. Amen. Yes? That, that's what the Bible says. I believe the Bible. Okay? That's what the Bible says happened. So, um, so Moses wasn't born again. All right? So Moses' life started the day he was born. Well, you say, well, our life started the day we were born, you know, in our, in our bodies. But not really, not what we're talking about. But Moses did. Okay? So Moses' life was broken up in three different time periods. For 40 years, Moses was in what? The palace. He ruled over all of Egypt with his family. With, with his, he was adopted, and, and, and they didn't really know it, but he was adopted into that family and left his mother so he wouldn't be taken out because Pharaoh had all the babies killed, and so his mom put him in a basket, ran him down the, the river, and, and, and the daughter of Pharaoh took, her, took the baby and raised the baby and made it her own. So he was raised in the palace for 40 years. The next 40 years, he was in the wilderness, and I want to call it preparation time. 40 years of the palace, 40 years of preparation... And the last 40 years was 40 years of promise. See, to the children of Israel, because of their choices, because of their choices, the last 40 years of Moses' life to them was wilderness, to him was promise. It was 40 years of wilderness to the children of Israel because of what they chose, but it was 40 years of what Moses was promised to do on planet Earth. And he started it when he was 80 years old. And remember, some of the examples I'm going to use here, time periods mean nothing. Years mean nothing. Moses was 40, 40, and 40. And you say, well, okay, then I can't really start anything till I'm 40 years old. No, I didn't say that. No. But, there's, but there is a palace time or the beginning time of everybody's life. There's preparation time, and then there's promise time. Yes? So... In, in Habakkuk, in, in this verse in Habakkuk, it says in verse 3, For the vision is yet for an appointed time. It's for an appointed time. But at the end of it, it will speak and it will not lie, though it tarries. Wait for it because it will surely come. It will not tarry. The vision and the purpose of your life, the promise of that God wants to see you fulfill on planet earth is something for an appointed time. And, and if you tarry, then the vision won't tarry. And at the end, the vision will speak and say, you did it. I'm going to say it again. If you tarry, then the vision won't tarry. But if you don't tarry and you're not patient during preparation time in these three categories, if you're not patient during preparation time, then the promise gets pushed back. And I talked to you last week about Moses, what, the, what we see in Scripture, and we had to 
use some mathematics here. You know, some of my sharp mathematics figured this out. But um, we had to use some mathematics, but we figured out that really God's ultimate plan had been for the children of Israel, for him to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt when he was 50. And it got pushed back 30 years. Why? Because when he was in the palace, he got vision about delivering his people, but he tried to do it himself. When he was in the palace, he, tri- he got vision about delivering the people, and all the preparation time that, was gonna, that there was going to be was going to be 10 years, but it ended up being 40. Why? Because he chose to try to make it happen himself. When you and I aren't patient, as God is developing vision within, our, within who we are personally, when we're not patient with that, we don't tarry with God, we get impatient. Then, it, then what, causes, what, what happens is the plan of God is aborted and it ultimately gets pushed back because, because of the mercy and the grace of God and because His desire is to see you fulfill the plan and the purpose He put you here for, he, He's going to stay with you until you choose to do what He wants you to do. And that's not very popular today in the world we live in. I, I would have to say that most people are not comfortable in their own skin. They look at other people and wish they were something else or somebody else instead of developing within themselves who God made them to be. God created you and I to be a certain thing and and, and to develop into who we are so we can fulfill the plan and purpose He had for us before we were even thought about. But, But the key to it is patience. In the New Testament, there's a verse of Scripture that says it's through faith and patience that we inherit what God promised. Hmm? Through faith and patience. So it's the development of faith and then patience in our life that causes those things to come to pass. Otherwise, what, what I've seen and what I know for a fact because of things that I had to walk through myself, what, what I know for a fact is that if you try to figure the plan of God out or figure out a plan on earth, you, you, things can look okay for a while, but at the end of the day and at the end of time, the vision won't speak. And what happens is we go to the grave not fulfilling what God put us here for. We were busy, maybe made a lot of money, maybe we were successful, maybe we weren't. Maybe we were high profile, maybe we weren't. Maybe we were this or maybe we weren't. But what you want to hear at the end is the vision speaking. Not you trying to convince people that what you did was good. The vision speaks for itself. I'm going to give you an example. I was all week I was in, my dad asked me to go to <clears throat> this show he's gone to for, I don't know, 40 some odd years. He goes to this show every year for different reasons through the years. And he was a, uh, <clears throat> my dad was a, a college golfer and then he turned professional and so he was a professional golfer. He's a retired PGA member and got all kinds of accolades and awards and all those kind of things in, in the game. Uh, and you may not know anything about golf at all, but in his world and in his circle, he's like a rock star. He's 82 years old, going to be 82 in April. And he's just, you know, in, in this setting, it's a, this setting is in the Orlando, uh, Orlando uh, Coliseum or, or uh, Convention Center. And it's a million square feet of golf. A million square feet of wall-to-wall anything you can think of 
golf. <laughs> and I, I was there the whole week. I, I've been before, but I, he wanted me to go with him. And so my, my, my mother passed a couple years ago, and so he's, you know, 82 and traveling by himself. He's not real thrilled about it. So, you know, I just, I, you know, twist my arm and I went. And, and uh, <clears throat> so... So I'm there, and, I, you know, I was in the golf world for a long time, but that was a long time ago. And so when I was there, I met a lot of people that I'd known from the past, people that I'd been connected with in that, in that industry. And, um, and, you know, it's funny because of talking vision this week, as I'm talking to people, most people, you, you know, no, no, I wouldn't say most, but a, a good, good number of people, within 15 minutes of talking to them, you can tell whether what the the turns that their life have taken, you know, so I'm listening to a lot of things that these guys are saying and listening to their journeys and stuff, you know, and um, and I'm I'm looking at my dad and I'm thinking about his life and I'm thinking about, you know, he he had he came from a very wealthy home and I mean all kinds of stuff happened with that, but he. He, they were not, his dad was not golf and nobody was golfers, but he, he had gone to this camp growing up. And so he came from this kind of palace lifestyle and, and, and went into, actually he was going to play, he was going to play, try to walk on at LSU and play football at LSU because he was a football player, you know, in high school growing up. And he was going to, they lived in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and so he was going to play football for LSU. And uh, he got hurt. And so he started taking up the game of golf, and then his parents moved to New Mexico, and that's where we grew up and all this stuff, you know, long story short. So he, so he kind of grew up in a palace situation, but then he chose to do something else. And it wasn't popular with the family, and golf in those days was not a, you either played or you didn't, and most people that played it at a young age were geeks, you know, if you played the game of golf. And so so he stayed with it, and he, and he became very successful. He's had a successful college career, and then he, then he turned professional, and he, then he was a golf coach for uh, one of the schools in New Mexico, at New Mexico State. He was a golf coach for 30-plus years and a golf pro, and he, he won some real awards. He's in the Hall of Fame of golf, and I mean, all these kind of things, you know. But, but he was never about any of that. He was always about people. And even though in the early years he, wasn't, he, wasn't, he was not born again, in his later years he, he got born again and, and things even, you know, enhanced that much more. But he was always about people, you know. And people would always say to him, you really look like you enjoy what you're doing. And, and he, my dad would always say, I can remember him saying this always for years and years, that he didn't feel like in all his years in golf that he ever really actually worked a day, that he even had a job. You know, because he enjoyed so much going, you know, and being a part of that and being a part of guys' lives. And so I'm sitting there, I'm, I'm sitting over, I mean, I was, I was going around the place seeing a bunch of people and, and all the new inventions and all these things that were there. And, and, uh, but I, w- I would sit back and I'd watch all these people, you know, come up to this, this booth. And the booth is an organization that my dad started about, 25, about 30 years ago called Professional Golf Management. And you can, you can go to New Mexico State, four-year degree, and become a golf pro when you're through with that four-year degree and have a business degree, you know, at, at New Mexico State. That's a great deal. They started now about 15, 18 colleges around the country have this. And 
So he started that, so he's kind of the icon with the PGM program. All the colleges know him and, and all that. So I'm sitting back and I'm watching him. And, you know, the, they have a booth, and so they're trying to get new people and recruits and stuff in there, you know. <laughs> but I'm looking back, and at one time, there was a line of 15 people standing there to, to talk to my dad, you know. And all these other booths, there's a couple people or whatever. And even at the booth at New Mexico State, there were eight or ten guys there, but they, all these people were in line to talk to my dad. And I was thinking, I'm just saying this, he's not here today, I'm saying this about him. But I was thinking, you know, the vision he had is speaking. And it's speaking because people are drawn to him, because he's got something. It was real to him. He started something that was really, he didn't start the thing, he didn't start it because he was trying to make a bunch of money, or he wasn't trying to start it to, to make a name for himself, you know? And he's never told anything, anybody about it. And here, you know, we're in a million square feet of golf, and here they've got this little video booth, and here he is standing here, but he's fulfilling the dream and the vision that he had. You know what I'm saying? And, and, it, and, it's, and it's not, you know, the cameras weren't there, and he wasn't on the golf channel, and he wasn't any of those kind of things, you know? But... But in his world, he's like a rock star because he just lived it, you know? And, and, and I say this to you. Every one of you were created to be a rock star in your environment. You know what I mean by a rock star? I mean, you know how you see rock stars and everybody? I told my dad that. And he goes, what, what does that mean? <clears throat> so, you know, whatever. But everybody was created to be a big deal in their world. You were created that way because the results of, of living and operating in the plan of God, the results are God's glory upon your life because you're doing what He told you to do, okay? But what, what I want to spend the rest of this message talking about this morning for the next 10, 15 minutes, what, what I want to fit, talk about and then we'll conclude it tonight is I want to talk about the preparation time. Because, <clears throat> you know, and, and in your life today, and in the church world, and the corporate world, and the personal visions coming together, I've said this before, you'll never fulfill personally what God put you on the planet to fulfill if you're not connected to something that's bigger than you are. Right? Why? Because no matter what you do, what your, your vocation is, what your job is, you, what, what your... What, what your desires in life are in. You cannot fulfill anything without redemptive revelation. And redemptive revelation comes from the Word, and the Word becomes real to us when we hear it preached. Right? So our connection to something bigger than us is what should give us the redemptive revelation to understand personal vision. When we begin to understand personal vision, then we've got to realize there's time of preparation. It was God's plan for Moses to lead the children of Israel out at 50. At 50. And he ended up leading them out of, Israel, out of Egypt, out of bondage, when he was 80. See, so the time period, the time period has to do with your choices and what you choose to do. Life is full of choices that you make. And the only choice that you had no say-so over was who you were born to, who your parents were. That's the only choice you did not have. And along the way, as they were raising you up, the choices that were made when you were younger 
the choices you made were based on the lives that they lived and what they said and what they spoke over you and all those other kind of things. So when you became, when you, when you came to the age of accountability and you begin to make decisions for yourself, it was full of choices. Well, I'm telling you, if you were not raised with any kind of word, like I wasn't, if you weren't raised with any kind of understanding of God or, or whatever, then what you're lacking is redemptive revelation. And with no redemptive revelation, you perish. You can look successful and yet be perishing on the inside. Some of my old friends that, that they were in golf and then they got out of golf and then they came back to golf and then they went, they went somewhere else and then they went to here and they went, jumped around 14 different times and then they're back here. And do they look prosperous? Not most of them. I'm talking about the expression and, and the lines in their face and, their, and, and you know, what they're talking about. In most cases, they feel beat up because they were searching for something and they quit something because it got tough. If you're to do something different in life, you're led out, okay? Not forced out. Not pressured out. Not making a choice to make a, a change because I'm tired of this. And that's what happens in our walk with God. In our walk with God, we get discouraged with preparation time, so it seems like, it seems like things aren't ever going to happen. You look over here and you see somebody, well, they fulfilled this. You look over here and this guy did this thing or that thing. Remember Eric, uh, Brandon Holler's uh, message? What was one of the giants? Time. The giant of time. Oh, man, you, man, I mean, it, time, I mean, you're 23. My gosh. Ah, oh, man, I mean, you, you're, you're 29. I mean, my, man, man, you're 33. What? What, what, are you, what are you doing? I, 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 and, and, and what I'm saying is this. I'm not talking about being 23, 30, 50, 70, whatever. I'm not talking about sitting around hoping something's going to come to pass. Because in the wilderness, in the preparation time for Moses, is where he learned everything about life. And you know what else he got there? He got covering. His father-in-law father became his oversight. He got married out there. He had several kids. He, he, he learned how to farm. He became successful in business. And this was in the wilderness. And don't tell me it wasn't, it was, it wasn't easy. But listen, so God comes to him because God, that thing had been in Moses' heart for years to free his people. And God comes to him and he says, when it was time, and father's, Moses' father-in-law gave witness to the time. His oversight gave witness to the time for him to leave. And it was time for him to leave. And God says, I want you to go to Pharaoh, to your stepbrother, and tell him, let all the people go. What? No, no, no. Wait a minute. I got to, no, no, we're not going to do that. I'm not going to go talk to him. I, 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 I can't even talk well. I stutter. Uh, let Aaron do that. No, you're going. Why? You know why? You know why it took 40 years? Because out there for 40 years, it took the development in him to be able to do what God's promise was going to require from him. And he was ready. But it took 40 years. 
I'm just telling you today, it's not going to take 40 years in your or my life unless, unless we're not patient and unless we don't develop the ability to hear God and hear the voice of God. Because God has a plan for you personally. And today, and I, I told you this last week, what I wanted you to do and bring it tonight is write out what you believe your personal vision is. And tonight, we're going to talk about, I'm going to give you several little things that have helped me to write personal vision. And, and the Bible says, write it down. Write it down. My wife and I have always written down things just on, on paper. We've written down things we want to see accomplished. And it's one thing to say, you know, my vision is to drive this car. Okay, there's nothing wrong with that. You believe in God for a car or whatever it is, okay? But we're talking, I'm talking from redemptive revelation vision. And when, redemp when there's redemptive revelation and you're seeing through the eyes of God and you're beginning to see through the eyes of the plan that God has for your life, then all the other things begin to fall into place. But when we're after something that is really not the plan of God, first and foremost for your life, when you're after something, more than likely, that's not the thing that God really wants ultimately to do in your life. Moses did a lot of stuff. I mean, for 40 years, what he did in Egypt, I mean, he did all kinds of things, successful and all kinds of stuff, but there was a plan for him. One of the greatest revelations that you will ever get is that you're not here you're not here to do commerce, first and foremost. That's a tool. You're here to see people redeemed back to God. The vision of redemptive revelation is that being real in you so that other people see you and that see, you, see that you have something about you, not something that you've got to tell everybody about and force people to believe and make people believe that, and they've got to change everything in their life. And Well, if you, if you won't do this, then you could love God and you could come to God. No, 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 no. We just come to God. And when people see that you're accepting just the way you are in your life and, and they just come to God, because... I can't tell you how many people that I've led to the Lord that had more things on the ball than I did. Hmm? There are things that I had to get delivered of after they got born again. I may, I may have been 10 years ahead of them in, in the Christian walk, but I just had a whole lot of other things in my life that to me were no big deal when I got born again. Well, I don't have to change that. You know, God accepts me just like I am. Anything that I, I've changed in my life, anything, I don't care what it is, if I've made a change in my life, it's because, it's because the change came front and center, face to face with God, and He wanted it out of me. That's when I laid it down. That I surrender all things, that's what it's all about. Surrendering things in our lives that are not good for us is the plan of God. But until you have redemptive revelation and you get insight and you begin to understand who you are in Christ, you can never know the purpose and plan that God has ultimately to see fulfilled in, in what you're called to do. So you know what that says to me is this. I'm not telling you that you're working a job you shouldn't be in. I'm not telling you that... You know, you're, you, you're in some part of the, some industry that, you know, that wasn't God's plan for your life. I'm not saying any of that. I'm saying the more you develop a relationship with God and you learn to hear His voice and you learn to understand the things that He wants for you, the more you understand how to make vision. And, and you know, at the beginning of every year is a good time to write down new things that you feel like you're getting from God, not just another good idea, you know? A good idea is one thing, but what I want is God ideas. 
You know, man, my head's full of all kinds of good ideas that seem like they can work. I want God ideas, and I write those things down. And you know what will happen over a certain period of time? If that really wasn't a God idea, because, you know, we have to deal with our soulish issues and stuff. If that really wasn't a God idea, it leaves. But the God ideas stay with me. And you know what? It may not be this year. It may not be the next year. It may not be the next year. The key to it is patience. And the key to it is developing my life and being busy, being the best at what I'm doing, like I'm going to do that for the rest of my life. See, if I'm, if I'm working a job thinking, man, you know, six months, two days, and 14 hours, and I'm out of here. You know, I mean, there's nothing wrong to have an anticipation when you know something's right. But that's not the goal, is to get out of something. It's to do the best you can be and let, let the journey evolve into the new things God has for you, you know? And when those begin to happen and you begin to see those come to pass and you can mark that off of a list that you've written down, I mean, it's amazing. I'll just tell you, some of the major changes in our life have only happened maybe once or twice. Move to Kerrville. Hey, God, what's next? 27 years later, all we see is stay in Kerrville. <laughs> I mean, you know, if I'm ever supposed to move out of Kerrville, it'll evolve. Man, I'm tired of this. Well, I'm telling you, I, I didn't say I didn't have thoughts of moving out of Kerrville. Hmm? I mean, I've had lots of thoughts. Lots of issues and things have cropped up and erupted, you know, at different times where I wanted to. No, but we stayed the course. We're doing the same thing that God told us to do. And until he tells us different, we're going to keep doing the same thing he told us to do. Because I believe those of you that are sitting here today are benefited in your life because of the word that we preach, right? And it's not the word I preach that we preach. The word that comes forth out of this place, it'll liberate a person if they take what's said and do something with it. It's not the word. The word won't just change you, but it'll change you if you take what you hear and do something with it. And this word on, on vision today, I can't tell you how blessed I am to be able to preach this because, because the vision is speaking. It's, it's, it's the result of the vision is speaking. It's, it's talking now. It's not at the end, but, it, but, it's, but I'm hearing it louder and louder. I hear it more and more. I hear more and more about what the plan and the purpose is, but there are just some things that had to be worked out first until the fulfillment of it. Moses didn't fulfill his purpose until he was 80 years old. And that purpose for everybody else was wilderness. Well, it wasn't for Joshua and Caleb. All they could see is the promised land <clears throat> and, and whoever else. Amen? Amen? So today is a great day. Amen. And I tell you, this year, 2016, is a year of abundance. I've told you that since the beginning. And when I say abundance... I'm just talking about an abundance of joy, an abundance of peace, an abundance of things that you need in your life, abundance of finances, abundance of whatever it is, but it's a year of abundance to those that really will reach out and receive that and take what's being preached and do something with it. And you say amen to that. Father, we just honor you today. Lord, we thank you. We're so grateful today for your presence in our lives your presence today in this place, as, as the words through song and through ministry today have gone forth, we just thank you and so much for all that you've done for us. 
and, and for the day in which we're living in, that we're not here on planet Earth on our own. We're not here as, as orphans. We're here as adopted children connected to you and part of your kingdom, here to fulfill the purpose and plans that you have on the earth through us. And so, Lord, we desire so greatly to see those things happen. And we're so grateful and thankful for all that you've given us. Your word, your spirit, all of heaven is backing up the decisions that we make as we hear from you and do what you say. So, Lord, we love you today. We honor you. We give you all praise. And everybody said amen, amen. and amen. Everybody stand to your feet if you would. <clears throat> If there's anybody today that's in the house that's not born of the Spirit of God and you say, you know what, uh, maybe I've never heard that quite like that before, or maybe you have and you're confused about it, whatever, whatever the case, all, all we want to do is, as much as you'll allow us, we just want to help you to understand some of the things we're talking about today, but understand what it means to be born a second time. You know, being born, everybody, everybody that's here today was born one time. But everybody that is here today was created to be born two times, physically and spiritually. And if you've not been born, born again spiritually and you want to, we just we want to pray with you and we want to help you. And so at the end of the service today, there'll be some people that are, are standing up here. and My wife will let you know a little bit more about that. But at the end of the service, they'll pray with you regarding salvation also. And they want to lead you in a prayer to, to be born again and to receive Jesus and to realize that you can live a life where old things are passed away and everything is brand new. Amen? It's an awesome life. So uh, today, if you say you're, you're one of those, uh, don't leave here without connecting with one of the people that are in the front here at the end of the service. Just say this after me today. Heavenly Father, I receive everything you have for my life. Today is the first day of the rest of my life, and my life, according to your word, is a great life. Today, I'm blessed, and I receive your blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 What a good service. So glad you were here today. And if you're a guest with us today for the first time, right outside the doors to the left, there'll be some people out there that can tell you more about Gates of the City, some little things for you to take and read and, and learn more about us and what we have that you can get involved in. And if you are interested in the voting processes and the primary and all of that thing, you need to register to vote today, right over there by the lattice work and the little table with the patriotic decorations, that looks like a voting booth, don't you think? So that's where you would go to learn about those things and ask any questions. Again, if you have a prayer need today, please don't leave with that. Come up here. Let us pray with you. We know how to pray. We want to pray with you. And we're so glad you were here today. We love you. I think you have one more song in you. So stick around and you're dismissed after that. See you tonight. Oh, don't forget tonight now. He's going to pray over your things. I want you to remember that. Sorry. Sorry, Jesus. <laughs> He's going to pray over those, and it's really important because it gets your, our agreement with you about what you see for yourself this year. Really, really important. It's important to me for my own life, and it should be important to you. So bring those, okay? Don't forget. All righty then.
Take my place. 